Welcome to the Three Wins Podcast, brought to you by Legacy Advisory Partners, an Atlanta-based financial services firm that believes that the key to unlocking your company's full growth potential can be found in the Three Wins Framework. My name's Sean Lydon, and I'm the producer of the Three Wins Podcast. And if you're a business owner or senior executive who is serious about growth and making your company as valuable as possible, you've come to the right place. And we have an amazing episode for you today where Russ Clemmer, the president at Legacy, joins Mark Walker on Legacy's senior investment team. Today's conversation builds on our previous episode where we provided a 30,000-foot overview of non-qualified plans, which smart companies use as a powerful financial tool to attract and retain their key leaders who are absolutely critical to the organization's long-term success. In this episode, we drill deeper into non-qualified plans to help you think through how to design the right type of plan for your company and your leadership team. So what are the different types of non-qualified plans? Who is eligible? How should you structure your plans? How do you fund the plan? And what are the keys to successful plan deployment and administration? We'll deep dive into these topics and more on today's episode of the Three Wins Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the next episode of the Three Wins Podcast. I'm joined today by Mark Walker, our Chief Investment Officer here at Legacy Advisory Partners. And we will be picking up where we left off last time on non-qualified deferred compensation plans, specifically long-term incentive plans. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the episode and please reach out to us with any questions that you have. Good All right. So Mark, last time we sat down and we walked through long-term incentive plans uh, and what we really kind of looked at was the, the purpose and, you know, why you want to offer these types of plans to your employees, why you want to offer these types of plans to um, your key folks. And we walked through the things to look out for, walked through the things that uh, some misconceptions, we walked through some of the general uh, ways that you would uh, set up a plan or things to consider. But today we're actually going to sit there, sit down together and walk through uh, everything you would need to put together a long-term incentive plan. So thanks for joining today and look forward to doing this with you. Absolutely. So most of the time, you know, we sit down and, and, you know, depending on, right, there's two different types of uh, people we sit down with, they're either um, a company that has some sort of deferred compensation plan in place, non-qualified deferred compensation plan in place, uh, and it's either not going very well, um, they don't understand it, uh, there's somebody new that's inherited, you know, the CFO or a head of HR, they've inherited the plan and they don't know how it works. Uh, maybe they have a plan and the advisor that helped them set it up is gone. And they didn't have it. They didn't leave anybody there to, to assist with the transition um, or they're brand new to the idea and they either have some sort of past experience participating in one, maybe a good, maybe a bad experience, or they're brand new to the whole conversation and they're just looking for some help with trying to put some sort of long-term plan in place that helps incentivize and retain 
their best people and attract uh, great talent. And so, you know, part of our project today is, you know, the goal today is just to talk through some of those things. And uh, But let's start out with, with one point of clarification. Uh, deferred compensation, non-qualified deferred compensation can take several different forms. And some are really, really complicated and some are pretty straightforward and, and you know, get the job done, do a really good job of, of helping and sit retain. Walk us through some of the different types of things that, you know, over the you know, last 30 years that we've seen and, uh, you know, some things to look out for and, and kind of give folks a frame of reference of what different types of plans are out there that fit that definition of non-qualified deferred compensation. Sure. Well, we'll talk about two plans that are maybe more complicated that uh, you don't see quite as often. So one is a supplemental executive retirement plan or known as a SERP. Mm -hmm. Typically, those are are non-qualified plans that are going to be basically like a pension restoration plan that maybe a a pension plan was frozen. This is a way to help the executives make up for that income on on a pension basis. Uh, So... Uh, don't see those typically too often. You know, there are maybe some one-off situations where you do it for CEO or very select um, C-suite, you know, executive group. Uh, another plan, which is typically you'll see it in the closely held uh, business owners, is a phantom stock or P-stock plan where you're going to be uh, on the liability side, you know, if you're you want to offer participants um, phantom ownership of the company. So that would be valued on an annual basis. Um, so they don't actually own shares, but they're able to kind of share in the success of the company. And then uh, you would be doing an annual valuation on that. Um, so there's some pros of that, that you've, you've got them aligned to the, the corporate goals and objectives, and they're allowed to participate in that. Uh, the cons or the challenge is that you you have to do an annual valuation on that. Uh, so depending on when you you complete your tax return or when your fiscal year end is, uh, it's not uncommon to see you know that participants really don't know their value till halfway into the next year from the previous year's values. So I think you lose a little bit of the uh, the feel or the uh, I guess, putting it right in front of the executive of where they're at today. You know, how does this fit into my picture today? So what we're going to spend most of the time talking about today is, is what we call just traditional deferred compensation or long-term incentive plan, you know, known as a, an LTIP, where you're allowing the executive to defer, you know, some of their own money for pre-tax reasons uh, and tax-deferred growth. And then you allow for a discretionary, you know, employer contribution, you know, either a, a match or some kind of uh, performance-based, um, you know, employer tracking that you're going to you monitor that and, and and communicate that along the year. Yeah, that's good. And, and you know, part of our work is cleaning up um, the, the confusion around these different types of plans, especially if there's somebody that, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, these, these things can, can uh, 
get pretty complicated from a from a funding standpoint. You know, the, in the past, there's you know different ways to really you know kind of uh, muddy the waters around how these plans uh, can be streamlined. And so, part of what we do is go in and help clean up um, and, and you know make sure that what's in place is uh, made as efficient as possible. Uh, we can do an analysis of making sure that. If there's a change that uh, would be better suited, great. If you need to leave what's in place uh, for a little bit longer, you know, then we, we work through all the details to have to kind of make sure that everybody understands, the decision makers understand uh, how the current uh, plan, whatever's in place, can it be beneficial? Is it perfect? Maybe not, but can it be beneficial and can we, you know, use what's there or do we need to um, wind it down, go through the process of winding it down and putting something else in place that fits the company and the objectives and uh, really the the, um, the the group that's being targeted. And that's where I want to move to next is this idea of what is the what is you know the company and, and you know what are some of the details that we ask about from a company uh, perspective and, and how do we how do we listen for those things? You know, I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, finding out what are the goals and objectives of the corporation and what are they trying to achieve, you know, and then who is the, from a kind of a macro perspective, and then uh, who are the, the key leaders or key executives that you want to reward and retain and trying to identify those and, and uh, make them eligible or part of a plan like this. So it's, it's always important of, you know, what are you trying to achieve? Uh, what's the win for them? And then what group are you looking at rewarding and retaining and what's their win? Yeah. And, and sometimes when we sit down and do some of these plans, you know, we, people refer to them as golden handcuffs. People refer to them as, you know, the, a plan that, you know, even if the person really wanted to leave, it would just cost them too much money and so they're stuck. And that's really a negative connotation. And so what we talk about with uh, our, our clients is the idea of what's your culture like? And so matching up a company's culture with the type of plan is very important. And so instead of golden handcuffs, we like to look at them as uh, you know the, the opportunity where even if you do leave, you're going to leave something on the table, but this is a company that you don't want to leave. It would have to be something that was just, you know, beyond your control. And so that's really what we, one of the qualifiers that we enjoy hearing about is what's your company culture like? You know, what, what do you, what steps are you taking to uh, improve not just uh, the, the corporate success, but also the, the uh, people's success? Uh, not just their performance, but their their personal life. You know, what what are you doing to give them a place to go where they want to be? And that's really the other half of it. You know, part of it's money. You know, the deferred compensation is compensation, right? What are they worth? And then how do you give them that? Make them make them you know give them an opportunity to participate at a at a deferred compensation kind of level, but at the same time giving them a place where they say, you know what. Even if that's not available, it's a really, really great place to work. But because this plan is available, it just makes it a little, even a little bit nicer. So we like to ask that culture question. But, you know, we, mentioning that, that corporate win, 
we like to look at those three wins. How are what we talk about over and over and over? The podcast is called the Three Wins Podcast. How are the three wins uh, factored into our early discussions around plan design, uh, goals, and in, in making sure eligibility is is right? Who's participating? What mm-hmm. what impact does that play? Well, the three wins that we describe, you know, one is the shareholder win. So either the if it's a public company, the, the shareholders of the corporation, or if it's a individual ownership um, in a closely held business setting, you, know, you got to make sure that that the shareholder, the you know, is going to win in whatever plan is is put in place. So if it's to, if it's to their own detriment, then it's really not going to accomplish what you want it to. You know, then second is the corporation win. So how does the corporation benefit from putting this plan in place? How does it fit in your overall, you know, uh, compensation and reward strategy? And then what is the opportunity or, or the win for the key executive group? So if, if they participate, you know, if they reach uh, this corporate benchmark that you set forth, you know, for a, a discretionary employer contribution, you know, what is what's that number they could achieve and how does that fit in their retirement readiness? So often we find if you're putting a plan in place and not factoring in these three uh, key components, it just loses a lot of its value. It's maybe not well communicated. It's not well received. um, And it typically will kind of fade out and not become, um, an important piece and then you know you're not you're not getting the results you want to or you know maybe you are having executives leave because they don't understand what the opportunity is yeah and that really just want to take a moment and kind of split the the, the groups it, it, to talk about the two groups that we work with so there's institutional clients where they're larger corporations they've been around a long time They've had a series of, of succession uh, events that have occurred, and they have they have people who we would call serial CFOs, heads of HR, people in those different roles, heads of benefits, who um, have been around and, and experienced different things, and we'll come alongside them and, and put something together for them. We'll walk them through this process, but the shareholder win question is is already defined, right? Uh, the corporate win. Uh, question around uh, budgeting and forecasting and defining uh, what the EBITDA budget is on an annual basis, what needs to go into, that's already been taken care of and they've looked at that. So we'll come in and help them put together, analyze and put together an offering for uh, key employees, executives on the non-qualified deferred compensation side that meets their, you know, matches best with their culture and, and you know, who the group is that they're trying to incent and retain. On the other hand, there are also, it, it could be a pretty large company, but they're led by entrepreneurial leaders. And so, um, you know, the, the question of maybe this is their first time going down the road, maybe they've grown really fast, maybe they're, they've been around a while, but it's a closely held company uh, with family succession. Who knows what the, what the mix is, but uh, sometimes this idea is very new in that setting. And so we'll walk them through. Uh, how to define some of those shareholder wins, and maybe that's a new thing. Maybe the owner, the founder, is is you know getting to the point where, 
you know, I really do need to define what that shareholder win is. I do need to, you know, help build this, this corporate win definition, um, not just for the next, you know, 12 months, 24 months, but what, what does it really mean for the corporation to succeed over five, 10 years? And then you back in and say, all right, who are the, who's the key leader group that you have? Let's define the uh, key leader win for them as well. And so depending on who we're talking to, we'll, we'll go down that angle. But the three wins is really important. And that's kind of the foundation for us to be able to say, here's what we're looking for. Here's what we're listening for so that we can give you the best plan design and path forward. And so once we have that in place, we'll start going through really the, the, the unchanged questions from client to client. These are the questions that are the same. The inputs from them, when we go through culture and what's going on with the company, what are the goals of the company, and the, the definition around the three different wins, that's what we get from the company. What we provide is this kind of path to walk through how to plan, put together a plan for your people that achieves uh, the goals set out in these three wins. And so walk us through kind of the, the couple of the uh, initial thoughts and, in, in, you know, starting with eligibility. What are some of the things we look for and, and need this year and in, in help with uh, clients making sure they have the right group? Yeah, I think when you think about eligibility, a couple of things come to mind. You know, one is within your organization, you know, who are the employees that are making the greatest impact that, you know, if they were to leave your company, that uh, you're going to experience a, a drop-off in performance. So those are the, the employees that you want to uh, set up a plan for, reward them, you know, retain them in your organization so you continue to, to grow into the, the objectives that you have set forth in the future. Uh, also, too, it can be an attraction tool for new hires. So, you know, you think about the, the market we're in, it's very competitive. You know, if you are an employer that offers an incentive plan like this, you know, maybe you're able to attract top talent that you've been seeking uh, because you have a plan that's above just a, a 401k or a qualified plan. Um, you know, you also can set up a plan for, you know, if you're having any testing issues in your 401k, that your, your executives aren't able to defer as much as, as they'd like. So you want to make sure that they can set aside uh, dollars on a pre-tax basis and help them reach their retirement readiness goals. So those are really some of the key elements that will help the employer you know, set up, you know, who should be eligible for a plan like this, you know, making sure they're uh, above the IRS, you know, highly compensated, you know, parameters, looking at the, meeting the top hat rules, uh, and we'll help them define, you know, who should make eligible for a plan and make sure everything is in good order. Yeah. And sometimes if you're brand new to this conversation and, and you know, defining that eligibility is, you know, sometimes you want to, well, you know, what about this really important person over here? How can I help benefit them? And so, you know, if they don't meet the definition of a highly compensated employee, then you, you can't allow them to participate in one of these plans. But that doesn't mean you can't benefit them uh, in, in, a, in an appropriate way. 
And so a lot of times we'll get, you know, a, a group of people who they say, here are the really important people. And if something happened to them, we would be up the creek, right? Or we just, you know, we want to retain these folks because we've invested a lot in them, developing them. And so we want to make sure that, you know, the grass is not greener on the other side from a financial mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, and so what we'll do is, is kind of walk through and say, well, here are the people from that group that you're looking at that fit, fit the eligibility requirements to be in a plan like this, to, to have a deferred compensation plan offered to them. Uh, and then if there are other people over here, we can walk down that road too. We can, we can work from a uh, benefit standpoint. It's just not going to be a deferred compensation standpoint because they don't qualify. That's not something that we define. It's not something right. that the employer can define. It's defined by uh, the, the, the government. And so we have to work within those uh, parameters, within those rules. Um, so making sure that we have those, the eligibility set is, is important. Uh, what are some other uh, what are some other criteria that we start to look through in a plan side? Well, kind of the next piece is your contributions. Mm-hmm. So, what contribution sources do you want to make available you know, for deferral? Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, it's salary. You know, you, you would put a, a limit on that of how much they can defer from their salary. You know, most plans are going to be in the fifty percent or seventy five percent of salary. And you may say, well, why would anybody defer 75%? You know, it's not uncommon for us to see uh, an employee that fits into this executive group or that maybe they left a previous employer. They were paid out a deferred compensation benefit, so they received a large sum of income in one year, and they really didn't want to have that taxable income. So they can offset that income with a high deferral you know, a salary for that year and then drop it down to a more reasonable level the next year. So you want to allow that flexibility within the plan. Some of our plans will have commissions as a, as a pay type uh, for your, your salespeople that they can defer, you know, uh, large sums of income from that. And then uh, the biggest one is performance-based bonus. So, mm-hmm. you know, bonus that's earned uh, in one calendar year, typically paid in the others in the next year, and they could defer a portion of that. Uh, and then obviously you can allow for some type of employer contribution, you know, in the plan, either a match formula or a corporate benchmark uh, that you're tracking, you know, that you'll be communicating to the group of here's where you are on, in the achievement of that along the way. And if we reach it, you know, here's what the benefit could be. Yeah. And so the, I think that's the, the key question. What What's the need of the employer and what's the need of the employee? So if it's 401k related, meaning that the employee, the, the head person is, you know, they're making X, right? They're earning X. They're doing really well. And because of testing issues, they're, you know, they can't put, a, put the full uh, 401k contribution away into their, into their account. Um, or, you know, even if they can, if they're making X, there's no way to save at a pre-tax level enough to make, help them become financially independent sure. on time. And so it's just, you know, they, they have to rely on a, on a, uh, after-tax, uh, savings account, brokerage account with, you know, without any other, 
uh, assistance on the pre-tax side. So this yeah. kind of gives them that opportunity as well. If they miss out on a match, that can be, you know, all the employer's contribution. Um, but for, you know, the, the folks who are new to this and kind of getting into that, I think those are the really two key things. Uh, number one, if, if an employer, if you're looking to give these folks a, a bonus, um, if the company does really well, that's the definition of a corporate win. If the corporation mm-hmm. achieves X, here's what we will put in into the, the plan for each person. So that's really the, the, the question of uh, setting a benchmark and saying, all right, here's what you can do. And then if you let the employers uh, or employees contribute themselves, then that's up to them. And that's just something that they you know, can decide you know, based on their financial planning and, and conversations with their own personal uh, advisor. So it's a nice item, but the key is the employer side. Uh, most of the time when we work with companies is making sure that they have an opportunity to put some of some additional above and beyond bonus dollars into a plan that folks can't touch. And they, you know, if they walk away, there's going to, they're going to leave something on the table. Yeah. The, the, the leaving something on the table is relating to vesting. Mm-hmm. So you can set up vesting schedules within the plan. You know, always the employees hundred percent vested in their own money, mm-hmm. but the employer dollars that are set aside you, know, you can put a vesting schedule of 25% per year on each award, employer award, or 20% over, you know, over five years. So that way you do have some retention element. And then at some point you could also allow for um, full vesting upon death you know, or permanent disability or attainment of a certain age you know, for retirement, age 65, or maybe early retirement uh, at age 60 with a certain number of years of service, say 10 years of service. So that way, if they reach those marks, then you're rewarding them uh, by uh, fully vesting their account balance. Yeah, so say someone, um, you know, for, for uh, whatever reason, they're, they're, all right, well, I need to, you know, take some money out of my account. With a 401k, you got to wait to 59 and a half or you take a loan out, right? And that, that's tricky because that sets you back um, for your retirement uh, uh, success. Uh, you gotta pay back that loan and all, you know, so it's, it's not optimal. And if you take money out before uh, 59 and a half, then you have taxes owed on, you know, what you put in there because it's a pre-tax investment plus the 10% mm-hmm. penalty. Right, so nobody looks at it and says, "Optimally, I'm gonna I'm gonna take money out of my 401k." Um, those are the rules. With this type of plan, it allows you some different flexible distribution options. So walk us through. And again, as we talk about these plans for the employer, anybody who's considering one of these plans, it's we want to give them a reminder that these are flexible. Uh, decisions, right? The HCE, the highly compensated definition, that's something that's adequate. But within the plan design, there's a high level of flexibility. And even though it's a four-letter word, you can discriminate and you can make things a certain way to fit both the best interest of the company, the employer, and the target group, this uh, group of of, uh, highly compensated employees. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can, 
make changes within, you can be flexible in how you make these decisions. So walk us through some of the, the distribution options after you put money in, how do you get it out? If I'm the employee sure. and I want the money out, how do I get it out? And what are the, what are the rules and flexible options around that? Yeah, during the annual enrollment, the participant would make an election of, you know, if they wanted to defer their own compensation, um, and then what type of distribution option they want to select. So there's usually two that we offer. One is retirement, <coughs> excuse me, retirement. So our retirement is defined as, you know, as I described before, you know, could be two definitions, age 65 or early withdrawal early retirement option. Um, you can also allow for in-service distribution. So that simply means scheduling the money to be paid to you in a future date. So allows more flexibility to be, be, be paid maybe in a five-year time frame. Could be you're saving for uh, college for your for little Johnny. Could be, uh, you know, buying the next uh, second home or new vehicle. Uh, so it's more short-term oriented, um, or you know, participants can use the in-service option to plan for retirement. But under the IRS rules, you know, if you want to change that you know, before it's paid, as long as you you do twelve months in advance, the IRS allows you to modify that distribution, meaning to push it out into the future five years. So that's where we communicate with participants saying this could be a really good option for you to allow you the most flexibility, but then still save for retirement. And we communicate that well in advance to the participant. They know what's going to be occurring as far as a taxable event, and they have an opportunity you know, to complete a form to redefer those dollars and avoid the taxation if they desire to do so. Yeah, <clears throat> the, uh, the the flexibility around this for the participants is nice, right? It, it, you, you've got the you've got the planning ability. Some people say, you know what? Knowing me, I'll spend it all. So let's just put it all in in a retirement account. But at least it gives the person the opportunity to to look at what their behavior is, their saving behavior, and what that looks like, and they're able to say, but at the same time. I can keep deferring and I can keep pushing it out. So maybe I, maybe I might need it. Maybe there's some life event that is coming up and I can say the key is I can say pre-tax dollars, right? Pre-tax, tax deferred dollars, they'll grow tax deferred until I pull them out. I know what that would do to my, I can plan and look and see what that would do to my tax liability for that year. And then I can decide whether I keep it. If I don't need it, I have to push it out uh, for five years. But at least I can plan and I have options. I can sit down and I can walk through that. And um, we'll get to this in a minute, but it, it's not the employer's responsibility to walk an executive. Right. That, right? If they have their own financial advisor, great. Um, we don't play the role necessarily of coming along everybody uh, alongside all executives that are financial advisor, but we can walk them through the implications through our communication program of how this type of plan could benefit them and what, you know, what that looks like and through our enrollment process and, and uh, discussions with the executives. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit further. We'll, we'll deep dive into the communication side of things, but 
Um, so what's our next area? What, what's a, what's a uh, next kind of plan design consideration beyond this? Well, once you put the plan in force, you know, you, the participants are enrolled in the plan, you're tracking your benchmark. So now you've, you've created this animal. So how are you going to monitor it? You know, you, you've created an IOU on the liability side. So right. executives are deferring income to be paid the, to them at a later date. So that just created a liability. Um, so it's tax, uh, pre-tax for the executive. And then it's a deferred tax deduction for the corporation. So on your, your balance sheet and your books, it's a, it's a liability that you're, you're tracking. Um, you know, the executives are gonna make investment decisions on that. Uh, so there'll be some earnings that are accruing in, in the accounts. So as the deferrals are being made, then you wanna make sure, you know, from a funding standpoint or an asset of the corporation to back those future liability payments. There's really kind of three different ways you can look at uh, an asset to informally fund uh, a plan like this. And the key is that it's informally. You know, the IRS, if you have any direct tie as an asset to say, this is, this is the asset we're using to, to pay this plan, uh, then you could get into some uh, tax uh, issues. So we always you want to say this is an informal funding vehicle to back the liability of the plan. So it can be an unfunded plan. So that would mean corporations not setting inside any, any assets that your liability is growing over time. So that disparity becomes you know, greater and it's going to, at some point you got to pay the piper. You got to pay the distributions to participants. Uh, if it's a mega corporation, that may be okay. But if it's a smaller corporation or, uh, you know, you're putting a lot of risk for the executive with the, the money being received. Uh, and just the optics of it doesn't look that great. You know, if an executive's deferring their own money, it's not really the corporation's money. So it seems like you should be setting that money aside. So then you get into, well, if I am gonna set money aside, you know, what's a couple options to consider? So one would be what we call taxable accounts. So that could be you know, mutual funds that we're using or ETFs uh, to, to fund uh, the asset of the corporation. Uh, so there's pros to that. The pros would be you know, it's very liquid. Um, you can get access to it anytime. Um, it's easy to track. Uh, the cons would be you're gonna incur some taxes along the way on capital gains, dividends that are paid. Uh, so you have to look at that uh, as a corporation. Uh, the other uh, option to consider from a funding standpoint is either corporate-owned life insurance or trust-owned life insurance. So this is a, a predominant tool that's been used in non-qualified plans for probably 50 years. So the IRS allows some special tax treatment uh, for uh, either the totally trust-owned or totally corporate-owned insurance where that money grows tax-deferred on the earnings. So in our funding analysis of the corporation, you know, we look at, is the corporation paying taxes? You know, and if they are, you know, are they better off paying taxes in a 
and funding the plan with mutual funds, or are they better off, you know, paying for insurance costs where the the money's going to be sheltered on the growth, and there also could be some potential windfalls uh, to the corporation if somebody were to pass away, and those death proceeds come back to the corporation or the trust tax-free. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, the the creation of this uh, liability. Um, it, it it almost automatically creates the asset as well, right? So you have you have money that uh, is, has been earned by the employee, right? They've earned it, but they've said, don't pay it to me yet. That's really what this plan is. Don't pay it to me yet. And the IRS just happens to allow you to, for that employee to invest that money, take that money and, and uh, you know, potentially allow it to grow uh, in, in a... Um, employee uh, directed account that says, you know, if it, if it grows with the market, great, they can stick it in a money market fund and it doesn't do anything, but that's what that liability does. So the liability can grow based on the performance of individuals, individual participants accounts. So if it does, the asset is still just the asset unless the uh, employer, the company allows it to grow as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, say over here, you got, you know, 20 participants in their account is, you know, up 5%. Well, in the short term, that 5% may not seem like a lot, right? But if you're sitting there and, and you want this plan to be a long-term incentive, right? This is a, this is a future stability, sustainability, uh, succession planning, continuity approach if that's what this is intended for, then that's how you want to manage things. You want to, and so sooner or later, 5%, you know, 6%, maybe the next year is down market 3%, the next year is 10%. Who knows how the mixture is going to be in the future of the market success, but sooner or later, you're going to have a deficit if you don't allow the asset to grow in tandem. And so talk us, talk through a little bit about, about how that, you know, asset is, is uh, set up and in, in how we make sure that it grows in tandem. Just a little bit in the weeds here, but just kind of walk through that as well. Sure. This is often where, you know, if you have an existing plans that we can uh, look when we're doing our review and our analysis, what we call, you know, asset liability mismatch, mm-hmm. where you, if you look at the employee's uh, investment options, from an aggregate perspective. So look at what everybody's doing in the plan as a whole and what, what's their overall allocation to, to equities, to, you know, to large cap, you know, all the different asset classes, same for the fixed income. Um, and look at what the overall allocation strategy is. And we want to mirror that strategy in the asset. Mm-hmm. So if you have 60% in equities, 40 percent in fixed income. We want to do the same thing on the asset side. So as they, you know, as the investment for performance moves up and down, you know, you're going to be tracking alongside, you know, we want to try to use, you know, the similar funds or if not the same fund uh, for, you know, the asset um, backing, informal backing as the liability. So if, if they don't have the same fund, as close as possible, and we'll monitor those and uh, keep track of it. So uh, that's a key 
key piece of making sure that you have those set up. And then as participants make changes, you know, we have it in our system where if it moves a certain variance, you know, that your asset's going to move a certain variance as well. So that way, you know, if as a big pullback in the market, your participants move into more conservative, your asset's going to do the same thing. So we want them to be in tandem, you know, lockstep together as close as possible. So that way down the road, you know, we've seen plans that didn't have a good asset uh, mapping strategy in correlation where the liability is, is not keeping up or excuse me, the assets not keeping up with the, the liability from an investment standpoint. You know, when you're talking about millions of dollars and getting, you know, one to 2% better, you know, maybe on the liability side than the asset, you know, that can create a big uh, variance that could, you know, affect your financials. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of the, a lot of the, you know, questions we receive sometimes around the, this, this particular part of putting a plan like this together is, you know, does it, does it uh, create a drag on the company like a pension plan, right? A pension plan is a, you know, the five-minute plan is a commitment to pay in the future a certain benefit, right? But it, it's something that's it's defined and it's here's what it's going to be. But then you have to go take those dollars from some other area in the budget, right? And, and you can put the budget, but if the company doesn't do well, if something happens, a couple of years go by, whatever happens, and you haven't escrowed those dollars, you haven't put those dollars aside to meet that defined benefit or pension plan obligation, then you're, you could be in trouble. You could be upside down. And that's what a lot of people, you know, in the world, in the U.S. have, have said, you know, this is going to, this is an issue. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get my full benefit. The question is similar here. If I've got, you know, ten thousand uh, dollars that I could uh, receive, right? In a, in a, um, you know, from a from a bonus, and I uh, put it into the deferred compensation plan. If I'm an uh, an executive, uh, well, I'm also, you know, eligible over here, right? That's ten thousand dollars that I've put in, and in, you know, the company takes it, you know. Literally, they, they say, all right, well, we didn't have to pay it to them this year. We have to pay it to them in the future. And we can account for that, right? That's pretty straightforward. That's already in the budget from payroll standpoint, compensation and benefits standpoint. Then on the other side, if, peop- if employers are setting up this uh, uh, bonus expectation that they're going to contribute uh, to the employee, if it's not carefully defined through the corporate win, you can say, well, next year, the benefit's going to be, you know, another 15 or 20% of your compensation on top of that. But you have to be careful to define the corporate win so that it fits into the the end result. So if a company says, you know what, we're going to do, um, you know, we, we want to be able to do 5% uh, net income next year, right? Our, our, our EBITDA is 5% or our net income is 5%. And you can work through the, uh, the budgeting process to find a percentage or an actual dollar amount that works, but you're trying to find something that works. But for example, 5% of, of net income is, is our goal based on 
the money we're spending for R and D and marketing and the the uh, client base that we have right now and the the um, the, the market uh, that we should be able to go and capture the success we should have at an average level is five percent, right? Thank you, everybody did a great job this year. We made five percent. Everybody, everybody, you know, was was kept on board. You received the bonus, and everything went well. But then on the other side, little little extra background there. That's okay. But when with, with the extra, with the with the uh, additional piece that we're looking at, we're saying, all right, well, what if, what if we do seven percent, right? What would it take? from our group to be able to achieve 7%. And 7% is where you look at it and say, that's where this above and beyond employer contribution would ideally come from in a long-term incentive plan. That's what you're trying to think through. What's that number that we should really get to? And so when you're you know, walking through the, the uh, formula for the award, you know, sometimes it's just easy enough to say, well, well you know what, it should be fine. We'll do 10% of, of whatever. But if you, if you achieve something and 10% is not affordable or it didn't really create the upside in net income and profitability that it should have created, you owe something, but you didn't create the extra income within the company to pay for it. And so what we want to make sure we go through this process and we work, you know, again, we, we talk about institutional clients and they've done all of this and they've done it, you know, upside and inside and out. They've forecasted a hundred different ways and they know what those numbers need to be. For other companies who are earlier in their forecasting uh, uh, success and being able to walk through those numbers and know those numbers inside and out, then we help look and say, all right, how would a benefit, an employer contribution in the long-term incentive plan, how would that help achieve the corporate win, right? All three wins are connected together. And so we say, all right, if 5% is the average and you should be able to accomplish that, above that, somewhere in there are benchmarks that you can set and say, this will help fund this uh, uh, award. And so you when, when that's achieved, there's, there's the asset, right? There's the, the cash, that was the, the net income that was achieved to pay what the formula dictates would be the, the award, which is the liability. Uh, and so you don't have this issue where you promise something that isn't being funded through the performance of those key employees on that annual basis. And so we kind of walk through that and, and go from there. <clears throat> All right, Mark, what's next? What area you want to cover next? I think next is, you know, plan. This could be for a startup plan or a takeover plan, but, you know, looking at the plan administration, record keeping. So if it is a startup plan, you know, that we will, uh, there's certain administrators that we work with that actually provide a plan document as a part of the process. Right. Um, others, you know, other corporations may do a custom plan document with their attorney. Uh, so we look at different administrators, do a comparison of that, similar to what you would do in a, in a 401k RFP. Uh, so looking at some, some options for them to consider. Um, 
And then, you know, we roll out the plan to the, uh, the executives. Then we get into our communication process. So this is where we feel like, you know, legacy shines and, and has a high level of t- touch that really becomes an extension of the human resource department. Uh, so it takes a lot of that burden off of HR, but but promotes them and in uh, the executives feel, you know, uh, the value that the corporation is putting forth. So, you know, in our communication process, we help uh, prepare the enrollment materials, uh, help um, prepare all the announcements for enrollment. Uh, we'll typically do, you know, two to three webinars, depending on the, the plan size. Um, so we'll have a 30 a 45 minute webinar where participants can learn about the plan, maybe hear a brief market update, be available to ask any questions about the plan, how they can really get the most value out of it. Um, and then uh, other part of our communication process is employees who have in-service distributions, you know, as I've communicated before, We'll alert them of you have an upcoming taxable in-service distribution. You know, if you take no action, it'll be paid out to you as scheduled. Uh, you owe ordinary income taxes on it. Or if you want to redefer and avoid the taxes, you know, here's the process to do so. Uh, so all those, uh, you know, during an enrollment phase, uh, we can email the executives about the reminder of uh, the deadline that's approaching on the enrollment period, believe it or not, executives don't always, you know, see emails or, you know, uh, hop in and, and get things done on the first day of enrollment. So a lot of times we're, we're chasing uh, the executives who have shared an interest in joining the plan but haven't taken the action yet. So we, we can, you know, call them if the corporation gives us phone numbers so as, as much as you want legacy to be involved, you know, we can and we'll be an extension of HR in that communication process. Yeah, and I think this is the what you said earlier as far as our ability to design and deliver on this communication is uh, it, it gives a, a certain level of authority around it where it's a third party coming in and communicating. But the key here is uh, what we're um, what we're, uh, we prioritize is after you've gone through all the effort of uh, designing a plan, you've gone through all the effort of saying, you know, which different options are best for us. You're putting something together. You've formalized it. There's a plan document in place. The administration is set up. <clears throat> you reviewed what the funding would look like over a certain period of time. You've put a, put together a plan around that funding, and then you've you've gotten to this kind of the finish line. And so oftentimes it's something that's put out there uh, and it's, it's just, Hey, by the way, this is one of your benefits. And if you, if you're interested in it, dial into this webinar. So honestly with executives uh, in highly compensated employees, they are, they are pressed for time Mm -hmm. to the nth degree. And so if you just, put something out in front of them and they've never heard of it before. They don't understand what it looks like. They have to participate. Uh, Healthcare enrollment is hard enough, 
And so after you've gone through that, you think, you know what, I don't want anything to do with this. And so what that does for the employer is lower their return on investment of time and energy and, and planning and everything else. You want this to be something that's clearly communicated. The participants, even though we have to chase some of them down and, and, and you know, make sure they, they have the time to ask questions and look at this and how it could, you know, be a, be a good idea and fit into some of their planning goals and, and things. We're okay doing that because what we understand is that's going to, that's going to create success, a level of success within the plan that you wouldn't get otherwise if it was just laid out there on a sheet of paper. This here's your, you know, here are your, your benefit offerings. And so that's really where we take that extra time and energy to put together something a crisp, clear communication strategy, the timing of the strategy, the content that's that's put in place to make sure that the executives understand the value and the importance of this type of plan uh, and, and what the benefit is and what the opportunity is for them. So that's exactly right. That, that, that really, we do take pride in that. And that's one of those steps that if you don't do it, then oftentimes that's where we end up coming on to uh, a cleanup situation mm-hmm. where the plan's been around for a certain number of years and they say, well, we've got, you know, a hundred executives that are eligible for it, but you know, 15 of them utilize it. Well, the problem is that the other don't think it's, a, it's, it's not that they don't think it's a good idea. They just don't get it. No one's yeah. took, taken the time to walk them through it and make sure that they understand how it could be beneficial to them. And so, that's what we'll do on, on some of those uh, opportunities where we come alongside and, and improve uh, the perception of the plan, the understanding of the plan, uh, and make sure that everybody is winning and, and they, they see how it fits into their, their goals. So, Mark, you know, for, for any type of you know, group that we work with, how much, how much we, we kind of told them what the plan design steps are, but how long does it take to get something in place like this? Sure. Uh, typically, when you're talking about uh, implementation and timeline, you're looking at a 45 to 60 day period to get everything set up from your uh, defining who's eligible for the plan, you know, setting up plan design, building the plan document, uh, building the communication materials, and then, you know, setting up the uh, enrollment materials, enrollment webinars, uh, and then doing your funding analysis. All that can be done within that 45 to 60 day time frame. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that's a relatively uh, compact period of time, but uh, we have the steps laid out. We have the pieces in place. Uh, and, and we know what's next after we've accomplished different things. We know kind of the order of events. And um, again, that the, the 45 to 60 days is not um, necessarily the, the amount of time for you, for an employer, for, for a you know, client to decide whether they want a plan like this or not, whether it would be useful for them. But we talk, we'll walk through, is this a suitable thing for y'all to, to try to offer to your group? Um, and once that decision has been made, then that we we can engage and start that uh, 45 to 60 day process and have something in place. And um, that's efficient, that's streamlined, and it, and it doesn't absorb and, 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 and take up a whole bunch of extra time 
uh, for uh, executive the decision makers and CFOs and heads of HR who are already uh, who are already uh, you know uh, uh, dominated by so many other things uh, taking up their time. So streamline our effort and in, in, um, once the plan is in place, we don't walk away. I think that's the, one of the keys. And, and, you know, we have an ongoing management responsibility, um, uh, an annual service uh, calendar that we put together. And we say now that the plan is launched and now that the initial enrollment and, and, and presentation is done with the employees, the highly comp uh, uh, participant group, the eligibles, now it's time to manage the plan. So we have a, a, a system and a process that we it, again, it's customized because no two plans are exactly the same. And um, so we'll go through that and, and make sure that uh, there's an annual service calendar that's in place uh, so that the plan is, is carefully managed um, and, and there's a, a consistency around it. And um, the people who were in charge of, of you know, working on that from the, um, from the leadership team's perspective, they have someone to contact and, and make sure there's a liaison between the administration side of things and um, that, that things are, are smooth and, and straightforward. So um, that's probably the, the uh, another key feature that we provide there as well. Mark, what are some other thoughts and, and any things that we anything that we may have gone through too quickly or uh, things for, uh, for employers to think about when they're considering a plan like this? No, I think it, you know it's a good over. Uh, overview of I feel like we've given away a little bit of the secret sauce, but uh, you know we're excited to you know tell a little bit about the process, what's involved, and um, the key thing that Russ described is you know we really hold your hand and walk you through the process of making this a customized approach, but not complicated. Uh, and then the ongoing management, you know, we're uh, into building long-term relationships. We've been managing. Uh, several plans, you know, in the non-qualified space for uh, 20 years. So, you know, it's um, and it's, it's really rewarding to see executives that have been in the plan. You know, they've saved money, they've received employer awards and and matching funds, and uh, they're able to to reach their retirement goals. And you know, we have that annual communication. We build a you know rapport with somebody and. Uh, you know, get to share in their success and, and congratulate them on uh, all their hard work and achievements. So uh, we're here to help you make it happen. And uh, thanks for your time today. Yep. So if you have a plan that is, you know, need some attention, if you want to investigate further putting a plan like this in place, then um, we're happy to talk with you and, and uh, give us a call or shoot us an email and, um, you know, we'll kind of give you a, a, an initial look and kind of give you some thoughts to consider. Um, and uh, there, the, the, uh, some of the materials that we talked about in this uh, call, we're going to put in the comment section below. There's links to those things over our website. And um, we appreciate your time and uh, let us know if you have any questions. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Three Wins Podcast. We have links to some awesome resources in the show notes. And if you haven't already done so, please click subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes of the Three Wins Podcast. This is Sean Lydon signing off for now. Until next time, we'll see you then.